Yep. Are we, is everybody here? The gang's all here. Great. Well, we are so thrilled to have you uh, with us today, and especially um, we are honored to have you as our two first interviewees of this summer project. Oh, uh, I, good. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. It's yeah. really exciting. Um, and so this is a, a project called Story Quest, and mm. we talked a little bit about it at the, at the library. Sure. And the idea is that we've got six students here who are um, <laughs> in a moment yeah. um, who are spending the next five weeks um, here trying to document um, and learn about what World War II felt like for people here in Chestertown. You know, we just yeah. we hear so much about, we see the History Channel documentaries where you see the bombers flying and everything, but we know that this was a war well, that involved men, women, and children. We want to, uh, well, it's wonderful that they ask that because many times, you know, we ask, tell people, this is what happened, that's what happened. And we're not sure whether they're interested in even hearing, you know. We are very interested. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> but, but you all are, and that's, a, that's very, very unusual and very good that we're, you are. We're super interested, and, and what, we, what we record today is going to be preserved in the Washington College archives, um, so that mm -hmm. we hope for many, many years, yeah. students and scholars will be able to sure. uh, mm -hmm. work with that. And also, we've done some, um, the students in the past have done exhibitions um, and performances with some I, of the That's great, material, yeah. So we're excited about yeah. that too. Um, so should, maybe the students can each uh, introduce themselves and we can, I think we're raring to, raring to talk, but we were thinking we could talk maybe for an hour or so if it goes longer than great, yeah. if, it, if you want to wrap up before then, that's yeah. okay too. It's just yeah. going to be conversational and people may jump in with different, mm -hmm. different questions mm -hmm. and, um, you know, if you want to take a break, let us know. Yeah. If you want to stretch your legs, let us, sure. let us know. Too. Fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> we'll have to close the doors yeah. so we can get there. So, if you guys want to yeah. just introduce yourselves, everybody, yeah. very briefly. I'm, I'm Ralph, and I, <laughs> my wife, Leona. <laughs> I'm Emma Buckman. Uh -huh. I'm Toby Yellow. Him. Lady Cycle. Yeah. I'm Abby Corbin. Abby, yeah. I'm Sarah Graff. Yeah. I'm Rachel Brown. I'm yeah. Joseph Swift. I'm Elijah McGuire Burke. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I ask you over something, sometimes I have a problem hearing. Yeah. Okay. But 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 uh, the best I can. Yeah, and we know that um, um, we know. Can I call you Ralph? Sure. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Ralph. <laughs> so, so we know that, that that you lived in this area during the war, and Leona, we yeah. know that you didn't live right in Chestertown, and we're especially interested in the Chestertown area, but we know that you'll have some interesting things to say about Eastern Shore as well, yeah, and yeah. that you guys won't sure, sure, be able to talk to each sure. other. So when are, are we ready to, to start the recording, Michael? Ready. Or yeah. Michael's yeah. Our, our technical guru here. All right. Okay. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, good. Glad to be here. Michael and Lady and Rachel are all the yeah. Well, I, you want me to start? Yes, yeah, so you just want to introduce yourself. And yeah, your <coughs> I'm Ralph Van Dyke, and uh, I'm 82 years old. I was born in 32, and and naturally I was a child during the Second World War in Chestertown. And um, to begin with, I remember Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 41, and I was living in a little village in Kennedyville at that time. In Kent County, right up the road here, and uh, I remember the the uh, the adult people there in the town that day 
talking about it. And they said, my heavens, they bombed this place, this Pearl Harbor. No, I don't think many of us ever heard of it at that time, you know. And, uh, of course, everyone thought that, especially children, uh, when you hear the old folks talk about it, God, maybe I better go home before they bomb us here, you know. <laughs> They're going to start a war or whatever. We never heard of anything like that. Yeah. And at that time in Kennedyville, when, when I went to elementary school there, uh, they naturally practiced, uh, th this was 40, going into 42, 43. They were naturally, they practiced air raid drills in the school. And the elderly people thought it would be best if we uh, put some cover or protection around the schoolyard. So they planted all these cedar trees all around it. Some of them are still standing today, remnants of that. And I remember when the bell rang, they had a certain, I forget the exact signal, or bell ring, but we were to uh, orderly go out of the school and everybody get behind the cedar tree. Well, as we know today, one bomb would have blown the school down and all the trees and children with it because we didn't know that you had to take cover be, you know, to, to protect yourself like we do today. I mean, it, people just didn't know, you know, and, and, and that's what we did there. But uh, my, mother and, uh, my mother and father at that time worked at Alton <coughs> up in Cecil County out of munitions plant there, which they set the first one we had around here. And uh, I think they called it National. I think that was the name of it. And uh, they worked there, and uh, my mother, uh, they had a banquet for the, uh, for the uh, munitions workers, war workers, you know, and uh, at the Elkton Armory. Well, they all went to the armory that night to this banquet, and my mother said their lights had went out about five minutes. All these people in there. She came home the next morning. She was so sick she couldn't go to work. Come find out two or three people had died. And what they, what they surmised was that when the lights went out, they'd sprayed that food in there, sabotage, you know, by... Nazis or whoever, you know. I mean, those things happened at that time. That was an example of it. It's hard to believe that that would happen that close, you know. But uh, that's what she said. And, and the lady that she rode to work with, several of them there were all sick. They shut the place down that day because of that happening, you know. And uh, later, later on, uh, they opened a uh, munitions plant in Chestertown here. Well, my mom and father both, of course, my dad farmed, but he, he sort of semi-retired, and, and he, came, he came back to Chestertown to work at the plant. And he was a guard at that plant in security. My mother, uh, she was timekeeper, yeah. And uh, at uh, what I remember, is they they working in shift work. My brother and my sister were there too, off and on. 
and they were working shift work a lot, and uh, we as, you know, you kind of had to fend for yourself at certain times, even as a child, you know, 10, 11 years old, because of so much, so busy people working and going on at that time. And, they, and you, can, you can see at that, at that time, that's when the women got into workplace greatly then. That's when all that changed at that time, believe me, yeah. Because before that, no one ever saw women in slacks, all dresses, you know. And my sister, she, she's an old-time person. She's 90 years old today. I'll tell you a little story about her that time. She always wore dresses or skirts with a calf with a calf or legs exposed to the sun. She got a melanoma tumor and they almost amputated her leg because of that. But she survived all that anyway. That's not pertinent to what you want to hear. But uh, at that time that's that's the way people dressed, you know. And uh, she was an example of that. And uh, uh, let's see what else I want. Um, they, uh, oh, at Elkton, I'm a little ahead of my story, at Elkton, this girl that used to work at the post, at the post office here, which none of you have ever seen her because she's gone now, but Doris Walbert was her name. She was, she uh, worked in a municipal plant in Elkton, and she was packing those detonators, shell detonators in a package, and pencil struck one the wrong way and blew up her face and blinded her, blew some of her fingers off. Well, my mother had asked her to change shifts with her that week, and she said, no, I don't want to change shifts. So they worked the shift they did, and that's what happened. But after that, they uh, they made a safety position there. I put big thick glass in front of your face, and all in case of explosion, you know, those things happen. But uh, anyway, she the either the, the government give her a position there, or you know, to sell candy in, in, the, post in the post office all those years. Because I was you you remember her, don't you, Liam? Mm -hmm. And and. Uh, we used to go in there as kids and buy things from her, you know, and respect the girl. And uh, I, I knew the fella, uh, Robinson, R. Lee Robinson. He was a game warden in, in this community. And he he was very friendly with her. She, she was his fiance. He went off to the war at that time. He come back and wanted to marry her. And she wouldn't. She said, "No, I'm, I'm not putting you through that. I'm not going to marry you because of that. I'm, I don't want to be a burden to you, you know." But he picked but, her up and carried her to work. But he every picked day. her up and oh, carried yeah. her to work every day the rest of her life. Yeah, he did really. He had very close to her. Yeah. And uh, at the uh, at the uh, plant here at that time. Uh, I was, uh, I think I was about 11, and they had an explosion there, and it killed two people, two two men, in a powder house where they mix explosives. That morning, I was home. It was a Sunday morning, I'll never forget. And we had, we lived on Mill Street right up here, and had a coal stove, 
used to burn hard coal in. I remember Dad shaking the coal down, dust coming out. Mom's giving a fit over the dust, you know, in the living room. Next thing you know, room. Sound like the thing blew up. I thought the stove had blew up. You'd never heard such an explosion, you know. He said, my heavens, that's the plant, and your mother's working out there. So I'm going right out there. You stay here and don't leave the house till I get back. Because we frightened all of us with she being out there. But uh, she said, at that time, she said, I saw a flash of light, brilliant flash of light. And, of course, uh, light travels, you know, faster than sound. And right after that, bang, boy, it went off. And, and the whole building, Dad said he went in there and you couldn't find a piece of the person no bigger than your wallet, you know. You just building everything right pieces. And I knew, knew of one person. I, it was two people there killed. But I knew one of them was named Loman from Churchill. And... Uh, that's about all I know of that, but that happened. And uh, another time, uh, well, that was that was ten years later, though. <laughs> that was when. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, where was the munitions plant? Right. Do you know where Gillespie's Concrete Place is? You know where the health center is? Yeah. Back in that complex, right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And at that time, oh, they were they were uh, manufacturing. Not the whole hand grenade, but they're manufacturing the, you know, the handle. You ever see when the handle goes down, the handle and the part that goes in the top of the pineapple, you know. Mm -hmm. They manufactured that part. And they also manufactured detonators, what they call detonators, to, uh, they were sent to the Navy, as I understood it at that time, for to put in Navy shells on ships, you know. Putting right in the center of the shell, you know, and that's and when they built the the um, the uh, health center and all those places, once a wild dozer would hit, would hit something and pop and pop, you know, in, in the ground there. In later years, because they were still there, you know, at that time, and and also well, also they got caught up. And ten years later, in uh, firecrackers, the munitions plant was converted to to uh, firecrackers and pyrotechnics and this sort of thing. You know, that's when they had that terrible and explosion. Joe McLean, and, who was associated yeah. with the Washington yes. College, was a yes. part owner. Joe McLean was a professor here, I think, yeah. at that time. He had yeah, one yeah. point. He was part owner of the wonderful the person. He was part owner. And uh, the other owner was uh, Phil Wilmer at that time, who was mayor of the town, was part owner. And um, Charles Ashman. Charles Ashman owned the Voschel House. That was where the People's Bank is now. The, the main, yeah. yeah. He owned the Voschel House because uh, that's another thing. At that time, I used to associate with his son, Char uh, Tommy. And we'd play in that virtual house, be all over that place. We had the free run of it, you know. <laughs> and, and they had a little, an old guy there, had a white suit on, old black guy there, had a white suit on, and sit there with, 
you have to understand that spit tune there when chewed tobacco. He he bring the bags in, people are up to the store, you know. His name was Simon. I'll never forget him. I, I he just fascinated me just to watch him operate there, you know. Poor guy had no teeth, you know, and chewed tobacco. And he was just as happy as he could be with everyone that ever come in there, you know. <laughs> and uh, and and we'd had to run to the place there, really, at that time. But Charles Ashman, he was the third owner, and the fourth one was the one that also was on a ship in Elkton. It was named Tony Fabrizi. Tony Fabrizi. What was his name I know? I've heard my father say that, yeah. Did your mother work before the war started, or was that her first job outside the war? Uh, I'm trying to think. She went to normal school, which yes. the equivalent of college. And she we equivalent of college down in Virginia, school. down to Virginia. Blackstone, Virginia, down okay. down by Petersburg, Virginia. She went to she college there and taught school a couple, couple years, not, not long. But uh, the education was different for teaching then than now. Yeah, much different than yeah, and then now, yeah. Because she was nineteen when she was married. Yeah, right? she was so, right, right. Yeah. And uh, she no, no, I don't think she uh, she didn't work that uh, a paying job like yeah. that and uh, housewife, you know. But see, my dad farmed for about twenty years, and, and about six, seven years after I was born. Of course, my brother and sister were uh, seven and eight years older than me. My brother, he just passed in April. He was 89, yeah, April 10th. And my sister's 90 now. And, and, yeah. You're the baby. I'm the baby of the family at 82. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you have any questions as, as, you, as I go along, did they? Did those jobs pay well? Did it? Did your family prosper financially from? from yes, the war? yes. At that time, at that time, it was reasonably well. I understood for for a paying job, you know, without uh, without um, uh, an education, you know, so to speak. But um, they, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was fascinated by all that, you know, but. <laughs> But and and during those years, my father smoked terribly, like many did at that time, and I think that's what took him emphysema. But he he uh, would send us, put the kids in line for cigarettes, because you couldn't get there. Everything was rationed like that. That went to the army. So, and the only cigarettes you could buy, I remember it just like it was yesterday, was marbles and wings. We'd stand at Silco's store and lined up outside waiting to get in there and get, and they'd sell them to kids, sell them to anybody. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they knew they half time was taking them to your parents, you know. And, and if they didn't give them, well, the parents would go down there and, and raise cane, boy. You know, if you don't let him have what I ordered, you know. <laughs> That's just the way it was then, you know. And, uh, but you didn't want to have it, a ration coupon for that. You didn't? No, no, <laughs> you're right. sugar and other things. No, you think of anything interrupting me because uh, I, some things I might forget. No, you didn't have to have a ration coupon for that, but you did for gasoline. Yeah. 
that ABC stamps, you know. If you had A, you didn't drive very far. You couldn't go only to work and back, just about, you know. And uh, the, the other stamps, they get, they'd allow you a little more gasoline according to what job you had, what was important, what wasn't, you know. And uh, We have your father's ration book, but I gave it to our son. Yeah, yeah, we had that. and give it to Marvin. He's down, so, he's down, down in southern Maryland, yeah. But uh, what, what was in the ration books, and what got those rations? Gasoline. What gasoline? Gasoline in in the in the ration book, yeah. and sugar, sugar, mainly sugar, too. That was a big thing. Yes, my my, my father. What else was it? We, gasoline, that was mainly, yeah, gas, mainly gasoline, and sugar. The gasoline, for example, I grew up in Dorchester County, so I'm down the road a little bit on a farm. And my father, once a month, would go to Federalsburg to get his monthly allotment <laughs> of gas You're and oil rolling. for the, uh, well, didn't have the kind of farm equipment you have nowadays. You had horses, but you also did have a tractor here and there and, of course, trucks. And thing, one thing I will never remember, never forget, is he went one day to get his allotment, and he came home, and he was very busy. Instead of putting it away, he put it under a tree out in the backyard. And I was very good at making mud pies. <laughs> and I spent the, quite a bit of time making mud pies out of those canes. I can still remember them <laughs> because <laughs> I got a hand in my backside when he d decided that <laughs> I should have known better. I used it all. <laughs> well, do you feel like you should have known better? I mean, were you told what was well, going on? Well, see, I was probably <laughs> six. I mean, mud pies were okay because, you know, farm kids did all sorts of things like that. Uh, dig a hole and get some water and make mud pies and, and, and do all kinds of things. It was a <laughs> time. <laughs> and so if you had fuel or oil in a can, that made it even better. You didn't have to get the water. <laughs> Yeah. So, but the, that and and the sugar in particular, because yeah. also mother and daddy used to go. Someone who had bees, they buy these big gallon things yeah. Yeah. with honey. Well, honey, and use that instead of sugar. Right yeah. in the middle of a big gallon of jar, and the honey running around it. You know. I knew they sent a lot of cigarettes to the service. They did. Because I, in time I was in Army National Guard, they had. And racing can, they still had them in there in 1950. Uh, and you could, uh, they had, uh, you get about six cigarettes to a package, a little thin pack. Remember, they even had the old Lucky Strike package with the, with the green and the red circle. Then they changed it from red circle to white, you know, over the years. <laughs> I think in some at some point, coffee may have been rationed too. Yeah, because the, I can recall that. In yeah, a, in it case, was. My father, That's right. It was. When they shopped, did the grocery shop. Coffee shopping, was rationed, Saturday, I think, for a while. My father would get two packs of cigarettes <laughs> and mother get a pound of coffee. I mean, they each had their. This was their special <laughs> splurge for the week. Did you, as kids, um, have to contribute to the to the war effort in any way? I mean, you talked about things like standing in line to get to get cigarettes, yeah. but uh, with everybody working so hard. Well, well, everybody working like that. They never, my mother and father never asked me to do it, but I'd wash and clean the house and scrub the floor and do a lot of things at 11, you know. And and um, had a paper route and all that business, you know. And, uh, oh, another, um, 
what else? Uh, during that period, I went. I would go to the farm where my sister, brother-in-law, was, and they, the labor. You know, everybody from eighteen to forty was going in service if they were eligible. Not all were eligible, but most were, and uh, some were deferred. Some farmers, believe it or not, a lot of farmers were deferred from going into service at that age even. And, and my dad was, he was, uh, he was too young for the First World War and too old for the Second one. <laughs> I mean, he just fell in that group, you know. And uh, my brother was drafted, and, uh, but he, he never went, they wouldn't take him because of his legs. He had bad feet. I think the prison labor thing is something they may real yeah. not understand. And the prisoners, yeah, prisoners of war, German prisoners of war. I've worked with them in the field. Because Dad told me, says, I said, I don't know about going out there picking tomatoes with them. Ralph, they're not going to hurt you, believe me. He said, you go right on out there and pick. Well, you know, it, what? they're not going anywhere. You know, they, they were so glad to be here and not being shot at and being fed three squares a day, you know, they weren't going to bother us all. Did you ever befriend any when you were working with them? Well, well, yeah, and one guy would try to communicate with me, asking me time and different things, you know, but not, not much because I was only with them about two or three days, you know, yeah. And, at, you know, at that age, I had to, like, have a little fun, too. I'd chunk the mate out of one now and then, you know, <laughs> and they'd do it back at you, you know. <laughs> but they could, the, see, at that time, the people there, or the soldiers there, the prisoners, they could not speak English. And we couldn't speak German. They couldn't speak English. It was just making gestures, you know. They and, were kept in barracks at various places, and yeah, the farmers were... Yeah would uh, say, I need so many people tomorrow. I'm, I know my dad would get up very yeah. early in the morning, go get a whole truckload. They come yeah. with their lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, somewhere around 10 o'clock or so, my mother make a bucket of lemonade, one glass and a dipper to dip it out with. And, and I'd hold a glass while she dipped each one glass of lemonade. They'd all drink out of the same glass. They didn't care, they were glad to get it. And we went down the road, wherever they were picking, uh, to, um, give everybody a drink. And we'd do the same thing if they were still there in the afternoon. But they had to leave, at, you know, they, they got an early start in the morning, so they had to be t taken back before it was too late in the afternoon. There were limitations. But they didn't object to any of that. Mm. And, and, and by the same token, I, I have an uncle who was a guard because he had experienced a um, being hurt. He got wounded. Soon he got hurt wounded. And, and, and when they got him patched up and got him back here, he, he then became a guard over at, um, oh well, near Bridgeville, Delaware, at a prison camp there. And those prisoners would go out every morning on a truck to the Swanson Chicken Factory in Federalsburg, and they, where they, they uh, packed frozen chicken. And uh, those guys, uh, the the tales I heard as a child, you know, they'd bring him back chicken and all this. He was just a guard <laughs> where they where they stayed, but uh, so there had to be a lot of relationships between some of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they had a camp. Boy, they kept them was on two thirteen south towards Centerville. Uh, there was if I don't know whether they're in the Quonset huts down there were soil conservation. Well, the soil conservation offices down there on the left. They had a camp all back in there where they kept them in this community. But as I understood at that time, they had them all over the country. Yeah. They're, they're big uh, overlooking uh, metal buildings. They call yeah, Quonset Hut. You, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, they've been recycled into all sorts Temporary of things now. Temporary. Yeah. That's what a lot of them were built for. Yeah. Were there a lot of them in the area? He's right, well, he's right good many. Because you could call and get three, five, whatever you want. You yeah, know. wherever there was a camp, yeah. there would be a lot of people. Is that? I'm asking how many camps there Oh, no. Oh, were, no, oh no, I no. don't know. No, one there camp be one here. One in here and one in the, you know, down another county down, further down, uh, depending upon the farm operation and right. wherever there right. would work, I guess. But I only know of Bridgeville, Fruitland, and yeah. here. Yeah. Which would be. Uh, mm -hmm. Three on the upper shore. Did they wear uniforms, the POWs? Uh, sort of. It, it, it didn't look. Not really. It kind of looked a you know. But <laughs> they had khaki pants, khaki shirt, yeah. and well, name or something up here, name or number we, or something. Men like that. didn't yeah. wear jeans in those days that much. They wore bib overalls or khaki pants. Farmers didn't anyway. They, did they? they they looked in good shape <laughs> as you did. You know, I mean, they they looked great. You know. They, they, with their clothes cleaned and everything, and, and uh, you know, they were fine people, I'm going to tell you, those prisoners were, and uh, they never bothered me or nothing, nothing out of the order, when they didn't even act belligerent or anything like that. They were so glad to be here, I'm sure, you know. But, uh, but yeah, they, they kept them down. They kept guards on their machine guns on the corners and all that. Well, they didn't need that. But you know the government, they're going to go overboard and do everything <laughs> big, you know. <laughs> but one of but, go, ahead. go ahead. A couple of things that fascinated me that I've never forgotten. That I, I'm a little younger than he is. I was born in '37, so um, my mother was a volunteer at what we called the watch post. She was an airplane spotter. And um, so the building was just three, it was like, it reminded me of three circles, one on top of the other, each getting oh, smaller yeah. till you got to the top. And she volunteered three days a week, as did all the farm wives in our neighborhood. They took their turn. And uh, she would take me with her. I mean, you didn't go get a babysitter in those days like you do now. She'd take me with her. And so the bottom level, as I recall, was you go in and there were, you know, there was the couch and the and a stove, a wood stove or a coal stove. You got the second level and it was like the paperwork part of things, you know, the whatever. And she sat in the very top and I was never allowed to go up there. And she reported on every plane that she saw. It was not uncommon in those days to see a, a dirigible. Uh, I mean, we saw so many of them, we, you didn't think anything about it. But um, that was one thing I remember. And the other thing that I specifically remember um, maybe this was because I was a little younger, I'm not sure. But I can recall looking at the headlights on my father's car and the top half were painted black. And as a child, I thought, oh, and he closed <laughs> their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea was no intense lights 
And from above, right. they didn't want to say from planes. Like, at that same time, uh, like in the cities and whatnot, they were encouraged to put in the black curtains, black window shades, and at night to draw them down so that there was not any large amount of light showing from any place. But there again, being in the farm, being on the farm in the country, we didn't feel we had to do that. Did you feel safer out here in the countryside, or did, did you expect that an air raid could occur? I think that I was probably, I, I felt quite safe. Uh, and probably that was because maybe I was a little younger than than some. I didn't really understand the full impact. I only heard, only understood what I heard from my father. And I, there again, one other thing was very important. Um, I, as early as I can remember about the war, um, during the war, um, I had this little rocking chair that I got when I was about two, they said. And I had to sit in that thing every night and got because my father had to listen to Lowell Thomas and Gabriel Heater. On the radio. The Nothing but radio then. And the other thing that I remember from that time, which I said to him, and I didn't put my feet on the floor sometimes because I might get spanking if I did, you know, because the next thing you know, you'd be getting up. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, another thing that I remember is my father was very insistent about having the best newspaper every day. And I can remember him saying to mother, you know, he, you know, he didn't want this particular one. He wanted another one. Let's give that one a try because it's not giving me what I need. And everybody was that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you read the news. They read the newspaper daily. Yeah, everyone they got listened newspaper. They to the news. Then. They, you know, uh, it was just the thing that everybody did. No and TV. No. At all. What was the radio like back then? Oh, it was huh? good. What was the radio like? It was, it was good. good. Long Thomas, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my school teacher called him and Gabriel Heater, oh hot air heater, he'd come on, you know, they'd call him. <laughs> he he said he'd say, This is Gabriel Heater bringing you the news of the world. It's <laughs> how like, uh, you know, very gruesome, you know. <laughs> Was there a sense for kids that the world was a really scary place? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, sure. A lot of them sensed that, yeah, a lot of them did, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I maybe thought a little more about that than he did at that age, even though I was smaller, <laughs> younger, because my parents worked in the city for 10 years before they decided to come back to the farm, seeing what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad they went back to the farm. <laughs> but um, my dad would say, and I've heard him say this to lots of people, you've never seen bread lines, you don't know how bad things can be, because he worked there on during depression and all, you know. In, in uh, mm. Pennsylvania, <laughs> uh, Chester area. And uh, before, shortly before I was born, they decided to go back to the country. So I was born in the country. But I think I had that sense of how scary the whole world must be, and yet you're, you're safer here because of uh, friends who would come to visit, and when they would come to visit, they were former friends of my parents from the city, and they would stay for a week or more at a time, and it was just, they just were like they were in heaven compared to what they'd been used to. <laughs> and the things that my father said, you know, about um, the world in general, um, I think there was a feeling of security. But things, things changed so much then during that period, the Second World War. 
I mean, I mean, changing culture and, and all in this country. You, How you so? know, have you, How did they change? Huh? They changed in a way that, just like I said, in, in people's dress, in women's dress, you know, women working in, going in the workplace and working, and, and, and that increased right on as time went on. And it changed to the point where, where uh, people in the service, I don't know how many million it was, a lot of them in there, but uh, they, they got to travel all over the United States different places all over the world, which people never traveled like that before, like it did then. And it, it took families, it's not good in some ways, it split families up so, you know, you know, this is going to work over here and that's making his life over there and all around. As before that, the family was so tightly knit and close. Basically, farming communities, like she was saying, you know, they were. It, it, it changed the whole culture that, in that way, you know. Uh, I, in my case, my mother was one of 11 girls, no brothers. So this meant that she had 10 brothers-in-law. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> and I can remember that my father, because of his age, and one uncle, because of his age, and my grandfather were the only three men in our family, because the others were all gone. They were somewhere else. Luckily, they all came back, but they all went. I mean, whether it be uh, in the air or on, uh, on Navy and Air Force, or, or, or where. And and also, my mother had a sister who graduated from Salisbury nurses training. In those days, it, you know, that's how you became a registered nurse. You put in your training more so in the than the hospitals than in the schools. You did the various types. Anyway. When she graduated from nurses training in Salisbury, she came home and announced to my grandmother that um, I'm joining the army. And my grandmother said, oh no. <laughs> she said, mom, they need me, I'm qualified, and I'm going. And she went to Africa. She um, went to North Africa so, too. I mean, this, you had a lot of uh, people who um, had this, she probably, she would never have gone to Africa had there not been a war. She would have been, you know, in a hospital somewhere she, else doing whatever. She met her husband there, with yeah. Bill, met him in field hospital, I think, in North Africa. Yeah. But it, and it was yeah. quite a celebration whenever somebody got furloughed or came home or whatnot. It's quite a celebration. Yeah. What did you do when people came? Home? Well, usually they they went out and they went. I can remember one of my uncles who was rather wild at times. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> Mother and daddy took me to grandmother's and they said we're going out with Uncle Luther tonight and. And from the tales later on, I, I wish, you know, he was the Navy and he was very reckless when he came to driving and this sort of thing. And, you know, I hear the stories about my father saying, look, you may want to kill yourself, but I don't want the rest of us to get killed with, you know, fast driving and this sort of thing. So, I mean, it was like, I'm home, I'm going to celebrate because who knows what's going to happen next. I think that was the attitude with some that, people. <laughs> the other time you, you were talking about... Uh, looking out for planes like your mother did. Uh -huh, well, sorry. here, I meant to tell you too, in Chestertown here, they have, um, they have a uh, warning, air raid warning practice all the time. And they had wardens on the street to make sure that you had your lights out. If you didn't, they'd be on the door telling you, lights out, dark, black, we want dark, you know, because of aerial planes and all, you know. Another thing, I've seen them. 
I've seen um, the map plan of all these U-boats the Germans had in North Atlantic. Some came in Chesapeake Bay, as you probably know. Huh? What's a U-boat? Submarine. Submarine, yeah, German submarine. They had some come in Chesapeake Bay at that time. We didn't know it, but heard later they did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, uh, yeah. oh, the, uh, by the way, I'm going with my two sons, June 22nd. Their wife's not going, but <laughs> I'm the two sons going to Germany and France, Normandy, and, and, and all those places, yeah, yeah, 10 to a 12-day trip. Now, I, I, I enlisted in the National Guard when I became old enough, 17, in 1950. Well, all these soldiers that went from this uh, unit here in 29th Division, landed on Omaha, and uh, they, uh, what was left of them, come back, and they reorganized National Guard, and then I got, I enlisted then. So you're pointing well, down towards the, like the, the armory, the armory. Yeah, yeah. can right. you tell us about the role of the armory during the war? We're so interested in that. Well, it, during the war, actually, during the Second World War, the only role I saw down there was the, the Minutemen, it's older men, had an organization they called the Minutemen, you know, and I think your father, father was in, was was in that I, down there. We yeah. Before um, at the library, right. I brought my father's. And we go. Card. My father was the Minutemen. And we as kids men. would go down there and watch them, you know, doing the and, drilling ceremony and all that, and, and kind of got me interested in. When I was seventeen, I enlisted, you know. I think so, the Minutemen were, from what I can understand, they must have been okay. All the young guys are gone. We need something here. If something really comes up, we need some people. Who can we call? Mm. And this was the Minutemen. It was like the backup. But I knew I backup. knew a couple of them that uh, I believe were buried in some tree over there. I, I knew of them, not real well, but one of Dan Peterson's brother, Norman okay, Nate Peterson. Huh? Yeah, okay. Over over there. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, so you knew of, um, of locals who went over and fought in Normandy? Yeah. Well, oh, I, I soldiered with them when they come back. Right? Cause, because I stayed in there 16 that's years. That's what he didn't make clear. He, yeah. These yeah, guys, I did, yeah. they, they rubbed off on him a lot of them. The yeah, stories yeah, and yeah at that, that time. That wasn't. Seen and whatnot. Yeah, can you yeah. tell us about some of those guys that you got to know? Oh, yeah. Time? One big guy was named Blimp. <laughs> no, we called no, not really. John. That was it. We just called him that. John John Noonan was his name. He was a great big guy, and they were all at that time during the Second World War. They were medics, in in uh, 29th Division, and uh, they would um, they would put two medics for each rifle platoon, you know, in combat and all, and uh, and that's what they did mostly. And there's another fellow, uh, and now John Noonan, the armory was named after him. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you remember hearing that sure. name? Yeah. Yeah. You're on a college down there. Yeah, now. Yeah. So uh, he, he died when he was uh, 56. I know because 10 years older than me and I was 46 when he died. We both worked phone company. 
at that time, and uh, he passed away. But he's a good friend of mine. Another one was Maxwell Moffat. Maxwell B. Moffat. He he was the other medic, and uh, he he worked in the time we was in the military with him. He was one of the cooks in the kitchen, but he was a heck of a soldier, you know. Mm. I I, I uh, stood alongside him in rank one time. The colonel come up and decorate him. <clears throat> he said, Moffat, you did a hell of a job during the war. And he had tears come out of his eyes. <laughs> if I was standing there watching him, yeah. Yeah. John Newton must have been a special guy if the armory was made. Well, he stayed in there. He, well, it was. He stayed in there so long. And um, his son I, I tell you, the mainstay of that armor was first sergeant, Rangel Elburn. You probably heard of him. I think the armory... Personally, I think it should have been named after him. I think polit local politics. But the uh, politics it had luck playing that really. Very much in politics. I mean, loved them both, you know. But <laughs> but I know the first sergeant had more to do with that army than John Newton did. <laughs> and he'd gone to Normandy too. Every one of them. Every one. Of them. Every single one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elburn, uh, I've found her this morning. Elburn uh, got on that was on those barges waiting. See, the weather was bad at that time across the channel. Yeah. And they kept trying to make up their mind. Finally, Eisenhower gave the word to go. And, and he said, people, he said, you never seen the likes of men getting sick, throwing up and everything else, you know, on, on that boat. So nerves just tightened right up. Been tense for two or three days waiting for the word to go. And on those, bar, on those boats, you know, out there. And he said it was really a critical time. And, uh, yeah, Elburn said, uh, he was first sergeant. He said, when I got there, I, I crawled up in a uh, big pipe under a road. He said, well, artillery can't hit me here, or bullets. And he said, the major was standing out there. And... Uh, he said, that guy said, I would rather die inland and be slaughtered on the beach. He said, so I got out of there and went with him. <laughs> yep. Did you have a sense, you know, knowing those guys after the war that they had post-traumatic stress or that they were, that they were wounded either physically or otherwise by their experiences? I, I worked with one all my life on, on a civilian job. His name was Dick Jaquette, Richard S. Jaquette. Was uh, he was one of them, but he never re-enlisted in the guard. He he just worked in the phone company with us, you know, and I worked with him all my life there. And he, uh, I didn't know him before the war, but he he didn't a little bit unstable, you know. Heck of a nice guy, most decent person I ever worked with, you know. And uh, because he said. Um, I was running down the street, one side of the street in New York, and a German was running up the other, and an officer knew I saw him. He said, why didn't you engage him? He said, it wasn't bothering me. He <laughs> 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 won't start anything with him, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and he was kind, he said, uh, he admitted, he says, I forgot, challenged the password one night, and I was out getting with wounded, and I couldn't get back because I couldn't think of it. He said, Trigger happy as they were, you didn't dare approach them at dark. 
he said, it's the longest night I ever spent, I had to stay out there. You know, just things like that. I'd, I'd heard, heard all that, you know. But he, he uh, I, I don't know whether that affected him or not, but he, he was a little bit unstable in, in a lot of ways, you know. But, but uh, the rest of them, uh, the, the ones that went back in there, I didn't, I didn't notice, uh, I didn't notice any post-traumatic stress with them, really, you know. I didn't. I think there was tremendous support from the whole country. It was then. Oh, yes. That was a big thing then. Everybody pulled together. You have to do this. And and so probably there was, you know. You have to remember, we've been in nonstop war ever since. (laughs) And and people were sick of it, you know, back when that. And Second World War was the beginning of of that. And uh, like she said, the whole country supported them. You've never seen the country turn a handspring like it did. Doing in Chestertown that. too at the end of the war? Huh? What was it like in Chestertown at the end of the at the end of the war? Well same way. Same way, yeah. Was there a parade or a celebration? Uh, I I don't the remember. The parades I don't remember. we were talking about that last week. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably I, I can't remember, it. but it may have been. The parade. <laughs> and I said, I remember all the years that he marched with the Memorial Day parade. We even had the Nike base missiles coming down the street. Yeah, you we know, did. Nike had missiles from the base down to come in and all. Well, we had 200 so, men down here on the street. You know, all then, yeah. that was a carryover, I think, from where they had been. Yeah, military had 200 National Guard, and, and, and then you had the Nike base group yeah. in there. But, and, so I think and all the other bands and everything. Been, I wasn't here then, but there must have been a real enthusiasm because it sure did carry over later on. It's only in recent years that the parade has dwindled down to where it's not not that much. But yeah. Memorial Day was a used to be a really, really big Yeah. Of course I guess as there are fewer and fewer of the people around who were involved, uh, that, that Yeah. It was a big it was a big was, thing then. Yeah, it was. During the late 40s and 50s, you know, in the town here at that time, because of all that, you know, yeah. And people went their ways finally, you know. Like I said, the culture changed, and people split, and people went this way, that way, for jobs and different things, and some married way away, and close. How are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Terry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was Chestertown a lot more prosperous after the war as a result than it had been before? Did, it, did you get the sense that it was a... It was no, at, at Chestertown at that time, I worked in Acme at 15 when, when I was in high school. And they had two Acme markets on the same block, one on one end, one on the other. It was an American <laughs> store, I'm sorry. But the same thing, Acme now, you, you know. And the A and P next door to the Acme where I worked, they were all on High Street downtown. You have to remember, then there was no shopping center as we see. You got two shopping centers up here now. That, that wasn't here. All done downtown in diagonal parking. And uh, Friday and Saturday night, you could hardly move down the street for people at, at that time. Really, it, it, it was amazing. How, and uh, we had, they never had shopping carts. They had to carry the groceries out for the ladies. You know, the older ladies couldn't go, you know. I ended up carrying them to the river down here. Go right down here to the boat with a bag of groceries for them. 
There was a lot more money available at that, by that time. By that time, it was, yes. Prior yes. to that, everything was, things were really tight. My you mother, see, that, that, that was the change also from the Great Depression, but way before that. People felt that greatly, and then they come in the Second World War, mm -hmm. and then everybody went to work, see, even more so than ever. That really changed and pulled them out of the Depression. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's, that's what happened, really. And because the Depression lasted, well, in 1929, I think banks failed one and all that. And, and, uh, and then the Depression lasted. I was born in 32. Look, I felt the effects of it until I was seven years old. Because Dad gave me a nickel to go to church. Son put in Sunday school. Every Sunday, and I thought, I see it, Milky Way, that store, and I am going to have it. They're not going to get that nickel this morning. <laughs> you, get, you can get a Milky Way that long for a nickel, right, the store, you know. And he heard about it before I got home, because they all, everyone knew each other in that little village here, Kennedyville, you know, at that time. <laughs> it's funny. Another thing was the cars. From what year did they not make them? They didn't make them again. Oh yes, yes, that, yes, thirty that. something to forty-six. So no cars. Yeah, the first car by I ever had at sixteen was a forty-one Plymouth. Mm -hmm. And and you, you know, and here I'm. That's forty-nine, fifty. You know, and uh, they they never made them. No, from what? They didn't make them here. Everything they they didn't here. make them from forty-one no, until forty-five. You had to make do with what you had, because all manufacturing went for the military, everything. Yeah. Did you find that a lot of people's transition to bikes or walking during the war because of the gas uh, shortage and no cars? Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. walked. Yeah, walked a lot. Much more than they do now, surprisingly, she really. Had a bike to drive back and forth to work. And, and, and they weren't spread out, like I said, like they are today. The various jobs everywhere, all over the place. They're more knit in the same community. See, I could stand on the street during the Second World War and tell you everybody went by in a car and knew the name. I know, don't know one out of a hundred now. I mean, it's just that way, right here in this town. Yeah, you just knew them, didn't you? So when people were were killed overseas in the service, that must have been a big thing for the whole community because everybody, yeah. everybody knew them. Is that yeah, that yeah. Yeah. What was that? Do you remember specific people? Yeah, yeah. I remember Norm Peterson getting killed on D Day, and <coughs> and, and huh? Go ahead. Uh, went in their graduating class at high school. Uh, at, um, I can't think of his name. I think that his speech there. Um, I'll think of it in a minute. Anyway, he. He uh, dedicated the class to all the veterans that they knew in this community. You know, I remember him calling the names out of all of them. And you knew Norman Peterson. Uh, he knew him. He knew him. Oh, yeah. yeah, he knew him. I I did not personally know him that well. I've seen him. I had seen him before because my brother knew him. See, but, but I didn't know him that well. My brother knew him. But, in our uh, area, there was a plaque in the middle of the little square, not as big as the town yeah. square here. Yeah. And I can recall going with my parents to 
This was Sharptown, Maryland, not down by Rock Hall, but the one in <laughs> down yeah. shore. But I can recall <laughs> going with my parents, and they would read the names. Oh my goodness, there's two more mm. since we were here last week. Oh, wow. And the names would be put on this big monument thing in yeah. sort of the town square. Yeah. And uh, I can recall them saying that, you know, and so they were all local people. And they'd read the names of who had been killed in the last week or since they were last there. And so there was constant recognition in the local areas, I think, for the people that had been we found a, Yeah, we found a picture of one, and I'm not, I'm not finding it in our, in our prints out here, but we, but, uh, we found a picture of one that was here in Chestertown, a big, a big plaque. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where, where, did it yeah. Be? where, where was that? At information center. Where was that? A pe- oh, no, it's a picture. You, you mean a no, picture? I'm, oh, no. I, I mean, there was, talk, I can, I can find it. I can find it. He's talking about a monument with, or a plaque. With oh, oh, people, oh, oh, oh. People insert. Oh, uh, the other thing is. The, the the parents or the families of people killed had the stars. Uh, had yeah. A banner with the no, stars no, on it. No, honey, they had the, the stars. No, no, the stars indicated how many sons or daughters okay. they had in the okay. service at the time. I recall. And, and that thing hung down in, right in the window. On the one, two, or three People's stars, houses, whatever. You know. However many people they had in the service, they had a star on that flag for each one. Yeah. See, yeah. This, is, uh, this is the picture that we that we found just this Kent County Honor Roll. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. What's yeah, they had that honor roll. Yes, yeah, they did. Huh? Can you? I, I, it was a, I'm not sure what it's down there, about a courthouse or what. About a courthouse. And, uh, I think. In that, uh, in that monument area there, across the front of it. You know? Oh, right here on the high street. Yeah, I, I think it was. Okay. I think I'm not sure now, but that I remember you saying see that now. That God knows I never know one of those people. Well, they're all back still down there, but they're looking at it. <laughs> Great pizza. How about that? Huh? And we found another um, another picture we thought you might remember something about, um, which is when they. Paraded a um, captured German plane through Chestertown. Do <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. Okay, I'll show you the picture. <laughs> Here, maybe you'll even recognize where that is. <laughs> no, uh, Messerschmitt. Uh, captured in Italy, Salerno. Brought a clerk back here. Parts of one or whole plane. Is that a whole plane? Good land. I, no, I don't remember that. But you remember things they did in Chestertown to raise, to sell war bonds or. or raise oh, oh yeah, raise yeah, oh yeah. When, yeah, I bought, yeah. I mowed grass and got stamps. Money was so tight. I get a, a 15 cent stamp. Put it on there and keep putting stamps in my book till I got eighteen seventy-five. Eighteen dollars and seventy-five cents got you twenty-five dollar war bond after it matured at that time. Yeah, I had a few of them. But mow, mow grass and you know, get thirty cents, fifty cents and buy those stamps, you know, yeah. Can I read you this? I can read this uh, the last sentence in this uh, King County Honor Roll picture. Yeah. 
it says uh, an audience from 544 to 1,000 was estimated to have been present at the uh, ceremonies at this particular unveiling of the honor roll, I suppose. Everyone with a relative or friend in the service and and the same is not on the board. Oh, and their name is not on the board. Should notify Marvin Williams, Chestertown. That's yeah, that's my cousin. Uh, Marvin Williams. Funeral director. He was funeral director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I made that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think of anything else. The victory garden. Oh, yeah, the victory garden. I learned, <laughs> learned to garden from my father. But they tried to teach everyone to have a victory garden, meaning if it was only a place as half as big as this room, grow something, food, you know. We need so much, need so much sand to, to, to and military and, and, and also the home front, you know. So much of what was produced here had yeah. to be canned or preserved or whatever taken yeah, right, away right, to support right, our yeah. forces, so everybody was encouraged to grow their own food. Yeah. And so victory gardens, I mean, that, they, they encouraged it. And a lot of people did that. A lot of people did do that. You grow it. You yeah. That. And they did that. That's right. They, victory they, garden. They <laughs> it certainly was the topic of discussion. Yeah, it was. Everybody, I mean, even in my family, even though I was just a child, I didn't know, understand a lot of it. But when the adults got together, that's everything was where we are, what's going on, how, you know, what's our position, this sort of thing. They, it was a topic of discussion almost all the time when people were around. I talk about all this, and I'm like my dad sometimes, I get a little emotional, you know? Because <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> it uh, brings back so many memories, you know? Yep. And you lived, just to get it straight, so you mentioned you lived in Kennedyville, but you also lived on Mill Street at one point? Did yeah, but we moved. We moved to town when they went to work in defense plant moved to Chester Town. That's why the whole family moved there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. right. And the right. farmer, the, the, the draft law, I yeah. can remember yeah. when then that my father was about thinking he was going to go in the military, yeah. but then the draft went up, mm -hmm. so he didn't get drafted. The age, yeah. Mm -hmm. But he was a farmer anyway. And some farmers did get, did get exemptions. Deferment, they called it. They still had to be, uh, still had to be uh, for different. Some defense workers were deferred. Uh, I understand. Board some made shipbuilders and, and, you know, they met you know, weekly or, like, yeah. week or whatever, I mean, twice a month or whatever, to determine, you know, who do we have as available and, and this sort of thing. I remember it. It, being at, it finally went all the way up to 40, didn't it? Yeah. I remember being at a train station with my grandmother, Mama Rice, in Wilmington, and they were coming back from the Second World War. I have never seen so many men in my life. Boxcars with them standing there in fatigues, you know, just loaded with them, coming home. You're yeah. in Chestertown? No, 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 no. Oh, it was Wilmington, yeah. Yeah. The train did come to yeah. Chestertown. But it did come here then. Train it came until 62. It, it come here a long time, yeah. 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 We kind of wish it had stayed. <laughs> the train. I don't know what they're going to <laughs> Probably need the way of transit someday. Better than what we got. We don't even have a bus now. No. Don't even have a bus. We used to stop in Kennedyville, right? The train? Train? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, bus. Yeah, train did. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And he came here too. Yeah, Just come here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, no, they joined in the community a lot, lots of, one thing I remember about college students at that time, and we laughed about it as kids, they, when the freshmen, they called them rats, I think. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> and they had, they had a cap on by the color of her shirt, yeah. a, a, a sweater. They had a cap like, it's a rat cap, damnedest looking cap you've ever seen, you know. And, and then a jacket, the same color, that nice jacket, you know, you know. But uh, <laughs> I never heard that before. But, but we used to we used to go up and play on a college campus all the time. God play we'd play baseball the summer up there. Young young kids would, you know. Never matter of fact, where that science building is, I think, down there on College Avenue, I think. That wasn't there then. It was all lawn, you know, and everything. Big place, and yeah, yeah. In later yeah. years, we used yeah. to really enjoy the fireworks at the college. Yeah, then, yeah, but we'd go up there and see the fireworks. They'd let, us, let the public come in there and watch them, you know, watch that, yeah. Yeah. Did the world feel any more open because of the war? Like, like you were saying before, people wanted to um, go out more and to move away, so was it more of an open world? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, I think so. I huh. think so. I think people, I think people traveled a lot more and yeah. they went and did things a lot more but, after the war. Oh, after then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I definitely yeah. think that. Yeah. They did. Yeah. 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 It was. And, and I knew older people went to college up here. I knew a few of them years went by, you know. And uh, uh, that, uh, Joe McLean, he was one of the finest fellows you ever knew, you know, the professor up there, yeah. Uh, and uh, Dr. Um, God, what is his name, the old guy? Gibson? Short, uh, huh? Oh, not Dr. Gibson. Yeah. You know something interesting? I can't think of his I name. This is also totally out. Get over you to get names. I have a it's hard to bring up names. <laughs> you know. I do. President Gibson. Uh huh. Yeah. His widow lived next yeah, door. Yeah, I have a Bible that was. You brought it. Remember? Yeah. He was used to be associated with a guy who had used books, a lot of books. Uh -huh. And he came home one day and he said, <clears> "This was." That Bible is that big. And God. it was presented to him in 1940-something, something. it was in, <laughs> by whom I can't recall, uh, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, regular. Oh, wow. I have to look it up. You, you, yeah, maybe you guys would that. like to have it. I don't know. I was going through some books not too terribly long ago when I yeah. Saw that, and I yes, big bomb. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. You're welcome, though. Yeah. Oh, wow. and that's, that would have that been during his service. Mm. That would be amazing. Well, he was one of the I great presidents of Washington yeah, College. <laughs> his widow, uh, Helen, was yeah. she was quite a lady. I got to know her <laughs> when I first moved yeah. here. She was, I think, in her late 90s yeah. then. But, but well, I don't know how I got in with shot. all these books. Yeah. Used, but it was used books things. It's all named Dumb Shot. Oh, uh, Fred Dumb Shot. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, he was up there then. Yeah. He was a coach, I think. 
Uh, um, I'm not sure. Coach Kibler is an old name up there. He's, he he was uh, he was in the Second World War himself overseas. Coach Kibler. He was an officer, was he? Yeah, he absolutely was. Yeah. Did you know him at all? I didn't know him personally. I, I knew who he was, you know. I, I knew the I worked with, um, he says that I could hit baseball real well because I was taught by Coach Kibler. <laughs> 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 he really liked him, you know. Yeah. What about, you know, we, uh, when, we, when we study the history of Chestertown, then um, we hear a lot about segregation, racial segregation. And yeah. would you say that um, things were different then between blacks and whites in yeah. Chestertown? Yeah. How were they different? They, they were different because they got along much Everybody better. <laughs> I think they got along a lot better then, yeah. really. Yeah. I think yeah. everyone was local. That's they were local people, yeah. and we understood each other pretty much, you know. It, they, the culture was so that, you know, whites didn't, Blacks, they didn't associate real close in games and socials and that sort of thing, and it's that still lasts today, you you know. But uh, and it was even more so then. But they all understood each other better. You know, there was no animosity. Between. Our son, our oldest son, was in the first class of um, integrate mm -hmm. when he actually had. To. In other words, the. The doors were thrown open in '62, I believe. No, I think it you was. You know, you can go any school you it's want to. And he was in the third grade. And, yeah. And integration. Integration. And that was Tara Deaton, Ralph Deaton's children. You may have heard of the Deaton's. Yes. But anyway, um, Ralph and Thelma Deaton had um, kids. And they were all about yeah. the same. Yeah. One, two, three, yeah. Right. right. But that he had the first class with a, a uh, black girl in it, and. Didn't see any. I, I didn't see any problem, any way at all. And I mean, any feeling. And I do mm -hmm. recall too, when the Freedom Riders came yeah. to town. Yeah. They announced they were coming to town, and you get all kinds of mixed reports. And I can recall that some people from Rock Hall sort of threatened there were going to be some trouble. And they went to Bud's, which is where Bernie Smith, Benny Smith funeral home is mm -hmm. out there. That used to be Bud's restaurant, mm -hmm. and everybody went to Bud's because it's the only place you could get a hot sandwich and. And a beer and whatever else, right? Yep. <laughs> so in those days, so uh, you know, it was like, okay, we know that the bus will be bringing the people from Wilmington, and that we know they'll be stopping at Bud's because that's a place that you know where people socialize. So we'd be prepared. And I was told that the guys from Rock Hall came. The bus came in in the morning. The guys from Rock Hall came and observed whatever was going on. There didn't seem to be any problem. So the guys went back to Rock Hall that were supposedly going to cause the trouble. Mm. And the white guys who were the, going yeah, to, yeah. yeah. And by 10 o'clock, the Freedom Ride bus was out of here because nobody gave them any opposition mm. that particular time. That was a Saturday morning, but that remember? Was, yeah, but no. that wasn't so in Cambridge. No, he spent two summers. I spent two summers right. down so there in Nashville. One versus the other. And Baltimore and right. everywhere else. Yeah. I guess with the National Guard. With the National Guard, really? yes. Wow. Yes. 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 They call you right off the job yeah, anytime. Yeah, he was there. So go down there for a week or so, yeah, you can know. You tell us, I know that's not World War II, but that's pretty important history. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we, they would, uh, they would call you off the job during that time because they, they were demonstrating down there and yeah. so forth, you know. And uh, they, General Gelston was his name, General Gelston. He, He'd give the order for them 
to get uh, no mass demonstration like it is. We don't want this many people on the street. You're disturbing everything. You're going to have to get off the street. Well, they didn't pay attention to him, so they come down there and gas him with tear gas. And they camped, you know, we had to wear a mask camped, on all that. You all camped on the school grounds? Set up yeah, we camped on school ground tents, pup tents, all of us down there, yeah. And uh, we didn't have real good communication. National Guard didn't at that time. We had a lot of old, old uh, community, old things that all come from World War II. <laughs> and uh, it didn't work that well. So they sent state police in there, every corner on that town, they had a trooper there to give communication, you know, for any, any disturbance, you know. But uh, they, uh, yeah, we had, we, we had a time of it down there with them for a while. And then one day the motorcycles came in, motorcycles, and uh, they were uh, representing the Nazi party, you know. And General said, <coughs> get them out of here. We got enough trouble without that in here now, you know. <laughs> You, you, you know how yeah. a lot of that stuff went. Baltimore had a problem there too at that time. Not as bad as lately. It wasn't that bad, but but uh, they, they did have some problems in Baltimore. But uh, but gosh, we'd go down there. Look, we spent a couple of summers down there, off and on. And after all military left, they burned one street down there, down there. But it was the outsiders coming in. Those local people, same thing. Those local black people were no problem down there, really. They hated to see them come, you know. I, I always felt that the reason, I mean, he, his family, of course, had black folks living well, in the yeah. with them. Really? Yeah, they, they were right in the farm house. Farm workers. Yeah. Farm workers. And they were on one end of the house, and the kitchen was their living room. They lived above the kitchen, and uh, they, they could go and dine there too, anywhere, you know. And uh, we, our family, they were in the center of that farmhouse, and our grandparents on the other end. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was amazing. And, and I I've been my homework, a little girl, a little black girl, you know. There. And, and, and th this, was, this was something coincidental. I, w I played with that child, that side, when I was about six, and she was too. Pulled her off the sand pile, broke her arm by mistake. I could see my dad taking her by the arm, now going to the house, and she's screaming and hollering. Had to take her to the hospital up here. He got, got her straight. It's Betty. I'll never forget her. I never saw her again until I took the furniture down there to her house. Lived down, she lived on the other side of the creek from us, and, and I didn't know it. And uh, my brother told me, he says, that Betty, girl, you broke her arm. I said, what? He said, that's where you're going. So I went down there and I told her about it. She couldn't get over it, you know. How many years later was that? Man, listen, that, that was like that was like 70 years later, <laughs> you know, well. seven years later. And listen. God must have intended that because two months later she died of a heart attack. Isn't that amazing? All that happened in, in that. All those years, you know, went by. I never saw her. 
I always think I didn't know where she was, but but but, but I work I work with her her husband uh, Henry. I worked with him at Vita Food mm -hmm. when I was in high school, and I didn't know he married her. Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean. That's it, 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 so it's like there was a sense that there was more separation in some ways, it, it, but also more but togetherness. Also more Absolutely. togetherness, yes, and, sir. Know, I always figured that when I came to Kane County, Kane County has the large farms, of course, and and you know there um, the people that were here was like were like, this is my home, this is mm -hmm. where I've come, this is it. You know, mm -hmm. they they didn't think about going anywhere mm -hmm. else in those years, and I uh, figured later as I learned more about the county. That you know they had the big. That this used to be the peach growing capital of wherever they shipped them by boat. The peaches, even bigger than. That, that there was more people here. But they had a peach at the turn of the century than the there is now, because of that two. labor. And so peaches. many many people that had been involved <laughs> until the blade came killed them. Had yeah. no job, so a lot of them left. They went to Wilmington, to Baltimore, to Philadelphia, whatnot. And the old folks and some of the younger ones stayed, and it was like this is our home. And and you know, I've, about uh, thirty years ago, maybe um, there was a proposal to have a high density development down at Coleman's. Well, Coleman, I don't know if you know where that is or not. No. It's a back road between Wharton and Betterton. Okay, and it's about three miles from us. And there are some of the finest black people you'll ever. Me live down there, right? They are. They are that. And yeah, they are good proud people. of the fact that we're from Coleman's. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there was a big thing that uh, there was going to be uh, a, in, uh, high density development, and it was proposed to come to Coleman's, and the people became very upset about it, and so they went to our county commissioner, one of whom uh, listened to them, and. Uh, said, well, you know, we, we need people to speak up about this. If you don't want this to happen, you know, you have an opportunity to do this. And so they sent a petition around, and those folks were saying basically, you know, I have an acre, I have two acres, I have five acres. They had their own little, their garden, their whatever they needed, and they didn't want the invasion in high density in their area. And lo and behold, the county zoning said, okay, we're not going there. And I think that's... To me, it's like, this is our home, this is where we want to be. And I know some of them that are out more neck way, it's the same thing. Did you World know? War II have anything to do, do you think, with the change in race relations um, in this area? Uh, uh, maybe some, not a whole lot, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I you, you know, uh, you read papers where they did a thing on uh, Charlie Graves. Oh yeah, the Up in Cabot Street. Well, I knew Charlie. Charlie, well, yeah, yeah. I was working up there one day, but I froze to death. I went, <laughs> hit my feet, cold working outside, you know, and on poles and all. And I went in there. He gave me a coffee and all. Sat down and talked, you know. It's very, he was very friendly. World War Two have opened up. A lot of avenues for other black people yes. to come here. I yeah. Mean, well, who have you got? Well, uh, Fats Domino. Fats Domino. He had I him entertained up there. Cars you know. <laughs> all the way from, from High Street yeah. out to 213 when it, before College Avenue when it was open there. They were lined both sides because people were going to Charlie Gray's mm. to see Fats Domino, mm. and they quite often they had. I'll have to admit though. And everybody went. I have to admit when my son started first grade here, <laughs> his his 
He's 56 now and oh, yeah. been teaching himself 33 years, band director. He, he was, I said, I'm going to ride around the playground, see if I see more there. So I rode around there one day at, uh, before work, you know, and there he is swinging around and around a little bike, kind of. Isn't that the big difference? I said, I said, I said, I've never seen nothing like this, Leona, you know. <laughs> well, I was definitely never used to that, yeah. you, you know. Yeah. But this was right in 62, mm -hmm. 3, long in there, you know. So I think the, the, the <laughs> coming together here. Rondo young, was his name. Was right. Heck of a good but kid. The younger they were, the easier it was. And Mrs. Deaton. folks had some problems. And Mrs. Deaton was a wonderful person. Her family, all of them. Yeah, the all them kids were wonderful. Yeah. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, I recall. One time, there were certain areas in the town at times you didn't go through at night. Like, yeah, we didn't right. go through the uptown club no. on a weekend anyway. I, I can remember when I was a child, and I hate to admit that, but my father, but he didn't know any better either, I guess. But he, he met this guy on the street and said, Yeah, Mr. Robert, a long time since I've seen you, shake you. That I, I'd rather not shake your hand here, my boy. He said, I like you, but I, I don't want to shake your hand here. People see it, see. That was the culture then, you have to remember, you know. But not so today. You can yeah. live under the same roof as somebody. Yeah, but, but, but if you got in the public with all the, everybody else looking, he, he didn't want to be seen associating that close. But, but I, think I thought I couldn't get, get, get over that, you know. I think all, all, all families, though, white or black, white uh, had black people that were close yeah. to them, yeah. and, and they didn't treat them any differently. I mean, you know, well, yeah, like the right. first time he went with me to stop by our Marion's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our Marion was everything to us as kids. Cause Wonderful you know, person. Marion was always there. If you, you, and... and the first time he Good stopped me seeing our Marion because I mean that's Dorchester County and I was up here in Kent after we were married, and Marion came out first thing she did was give me this great big hug on she, the doorstep before she ever be. let me yeah. in the house, mm. you know. And he's <laughs> he didn't have any idea that I, I had I that didn't, kind of I didn't relationship. Know her time, yeah. Simply, but he didn't know Marion. Mm -hmm. He got to the point where he loved our Marion the same way I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You, but, you couldn't help but like her, boy. She's but, a wonderful uh, person. I think. I still think it has to had to do with the fact that they were all the way they grew together yeah. here, and then now the world's so open. They come in from other areas, <laughs> other places, and some of some some of the closeness get lost. Yeah, and they served in World War II. Believe me, they did their part. I've worked with some of them. Yeah, I've worked with contractors. I had some of them in there. Dick, Dick Bordley, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess you were in the military and it integrated too. Really. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was integrated pretty heavily before I got out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, and, you know, men, women, the whole bit's there now, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um... And they did well. They really have, did wonderful. Well, you've been so generous with your time. I'm sure there are a couple more questions from the students who uh, have. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Wow. Well, you mentioned.
mentioned you mentioned that when you went up to the to the plane watchtower with your mother, mm-hmm. there was a lot of dirigible traffic. Mm-hmm. What do you know what that traffic? I don't was? know what they were doing. I don't know what the dirigibles were doing. But uh, but see, you know, the watchtower was probably a mile from our house. And I mean, it was not uncommon, <coughs> you know, if you'd be outside yeah. playing, you'd yeah. run in the house, hey, mother, there's a dirt bull, he's hanging right out there, and he'd be there, seemed like forever, because they didn't move mm. much, mm. you know, it was just, <laughs> it just, it was just like a big thing floating up there. As a matter of fact, we had a cow, had a calf born in the field one day, and my little brother swore that it was dropped by that dirigible. <laughs> I know where it came from. <laughs> I know where it came from. That dirt hung out there most of the day. <laughs> so. How long but. did you have there and you stay up in the tower? We would go in the morning. So we must have spent, you know, like maybe 9 to 5 or, mm. or, or 8 to 4 or something like that. Because we'd be there all day and we'd have our little snack for lunch and I'd take my afternoon nap <laughs> and on, on the couch that was there. You know, and she did whatever she did up the top. You know, I played with dolls or whatever else I carried for the day. <laughs> you know, it was. Yeah. Uh, but families were there, and I think here too, they they worked uh, together an awful lot yeah, yeah. more, probably yeah. because they were close. And now, as the world's opened up, you know, people. The world's opened up. It's it's different. You know, I mean, people are close and very friendly. A lot of them, but uh, most of them, but. But still, it is so different now than it used to be then because of that family, like she said, was so close yeah. that it really were. Especially in the country, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was curious about the role of the uh, river during World War II, if there was anything different that went on trade-wise, or if there were restrictions. This river? Yeah. I don't know about it. I don't know about Second World War during that period. Mm-hmm. No. I think the bay would have been, see, because, you know, we're not that far from Betterton. Bay, we're not yeah. that far, far from Talchester, I yeah. think. There probably was a lot that went on out there. Probably was there, yeah. Uh, uh, in the way of, see, because we still had a lot of shipping. Hmm? We yeah. still had a lot of shipping yeah. at that time. That, you you know, go through the now. canal up there and open up, you know. There was a, you know, Marcus Hook and... Places in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania up there, uh, shipyards and all that, extremely busy. So I understand. I, I wasn't there, but I hear them, I heard them talk about it, you know, because they, well, one veteran I knew worked there before he went Marine Corps during the war. And he said, when I worked there, God, they'd bring him ships in there. Well, submarines got into them in the Atlantic, holes all blown inside of them, and not enough to sink them, but they got them. Got them back dry dock and fix them again, send them out again, you know. But uh, he, he, now his story, let me tell you his story. Nicholson, it was, his name was uh, uh, Ed? Ed, Edward, Edward, Ed Nicholson. He was, dra- he enlisted, I'm sorry, enlisted in the Marine Corps. And he said that his mom died while, right after he got out of basic training in Santa Paris Island home here. After that, when he went back, he said, my whole outfit was gone overseas, going to South Pacific. He said, and they sent me there, not with them. But because I was out of the outfit then, they utilized me on the ship up on deck loading twin 40 gun, you know, against aircraft 
And he said, I'd, I always would. Because of that, my mother's death, it saved my life. Because after the war was over in Japan, they were up in Japan, he said, I asked one officer I knew, well, how about so-and-so? Well, see, he's gone. How about so-and-so? He's gone. Yeah, all of them, most of them was killed on Iwo Jima, you know. Yeah, most of them in that company, yeah. It, it was, yeah. And he said, uh, he said, uh, I, I, I said, I would not want to be down in a hole on a ship. I don't care what went on above, I'd rather be up there see what's going on. You, you kind of claustrophobia, you know, and frightened, frightful too. He said, yeah, I'd, I, that's the same way with me. I told him I, I just couldn't stand it down there. You'd have to get me above. And he said, I, I could sit there and watch them troops go to shore, and them Japanese had the guns pre-laid right on that beach. And all they had to do was drop it down the tube when when Marines started up there on Iwo, you know. All black sand on. Yeah, and he, he said that was the most disheartening thing that talked to that officer and he told most of them he wounded or dead, you know, that he was in that company with, you see. And because his mother had to come home for that, something good come out of it for him not, not to get involved in that, you know. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. yeah, I'm telling you, if you talk to those veterans, you hear a million stories. I never had nothing like it in my life at that time, you know. That's incredible. He also, as it, now this doesn't have anything to do with the war, but it's associated with, and maybe some war stories come from it, I don't know. He also worked at Aberdeen as a gunner. Yeah, yeah, I worked as a gunner for testing. For four, four years. Old. When you were in the military after the war, was there a sense of a real division between the people who had fought in the Second World War and those who had come along too late to have, yeah. to have served? Yeah. Was yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it, they, uh, they kind of, some, some, not all veterans, some of them never paid better attention to that, but some kind of stuck it in their crawl, you know, that, oh, so-and-so, he didn't go here or do that or do the other one. You, you know, they kind of stuck to them, a lot of them, they did, you know. Like uh, first sergeant said to me, uh, about that guy, Marsh, General Marsh Road, farmer right there, he said he was in this unit, and he got out and got deferred because of his farmer, and he already heard what he said, you know. I wouldn't repeat it, <laughs> but you know. But, but uh, a lot of them, it stuck to them, you know, that way. And Moffitt said the same thing. Moffitt and Noonan, all of them said the same thing. I, I don't know. I wasn't with them then. I didn't know what happened, but uh, except what they said. He was in the Air Force, and they wouldn't have him, so he became an yeah, I enli- yeah. I know. I had le- no, I had enlisted in the National Guard in April 1950. Well, the war started in Korea in, in June 50. So I thought, I'm going to enlist in the Air Force. So I went down past Desi and past everything, and they said, uh, well, you, you didn't pass the physical. I said, what? There's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you have bad teeth, and, uh, which I did. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, you'll have to go home. 
and get your own dentist to fix them. You come back here, we'll send you to Texas. I said, okay. So I started out the hall. Army recruiter stepped out. Army sergeant up there. I said, hold it, bud, right there. You sign here on the dotted line, you don't have to go anywhere. We'll yeah. take you. <laughs> yeah. In other words, I, I had sense enough to know what they wanted was a lot of personnel for Creole at the time, cannon potter for there, you know. <laughs> That's what they wanted. I knew it. But uh, so they were doing numbers game, the government then. I was sure of that. So I, I went home and, and uh, I got disinterested in it and stayed in the National Guard 16 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and rose to rank platoon sergeant. He's seven, you know. Yeah. And I loved it, really. I was in there with a bunch of great people, you know. And, and I, I really did like it. Matter of fact, it, I never went to college, but it taught me an awful lot. Brought me out to be able to talk with this like now. Before that, I wouldn't even been able to sit here and talk with you, you know. That, bashful and all, you know, just didn't have training at all. But there you were just forced to do, you know, you just had to do it. And the military does bring a lot of good things out in people that way, you know. And <clears throat> it really did change my life and she, <laughs> she did the biggest change in my life. <laughs> good one. Yep, you have a good one. You better believe it. Yep. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we've been married 57 years. Next 57 week. years. <laughs> 57 years, June 7th. I better remember. June 7th. Yeah. 57 years, yep. <laughs> seems, look back, seems like yesterday. I think as you look back to, to World War II and, and the people and whatnot, uh, there was a lot that became open to a lot more people. Yeah. It was just not available to yeah. them before. Yeah. Because, like we talked about the women working, they didn't. Their job was <laughs> in the home and <laughs> the kids and church and home and whatever else. And yeah. That was it. Mm -hmm. And then when the war came and the need for people to do things, I mean, you think of Rosie the Riveter. Here's what, <laughs> here's what stuck me to down there when we were your mother in church down there. Mm -hmm. It's just, just an example of the way people are in a close community down on the farm. They don't think you know. about anything. They don't think anything about they don't know what's going on in the world and what's right around them. So the uh, congressman uh, Dyson, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, you remember him? Uh, yeah. He was Dyson, down, yeah. yeah, Roy Dyson. Yeah. He was down there at the it church. Was a homecoming at church. Homecoming at the church, your local church there where she lived. And we went in with her mother was living in. We went in there. And he talked, and some of the reverends, they said prayers, and some service went on and on and on, you know. And, uh, he presented a flag. And, and, and he, said, uh, he said, this flag flew on the White House. I'm, I mean the Capitol. Flew on the Capitol of the United States, and we're going to dedicate this, this church and all that, you know. And I told her, I said, I, I'm not in this church and don't know a lot of these people. But I said, right now, one of them ought to get up and say a prayer for 500 young women and men camped out in that desert over there waiting that to go to war on Desert Storm that night. Really that upset. very next day they were. And wasn't a mention of it. 
I, and I thought they would, you know. The next thing they never said a word. And Dyson never said anything about it. He's congressman. You, you know. And I mean, it was different. That was different from that. Yes, it, it yes. was different from that. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, recognized. Yeah, recognize it. Yeah, they would. They'd recognize it then. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. Yep. Very much so. <laughs> well, we're not going to hold you up any longer. You got other people coming in. I bet haven't. So you've been so generous with your time. <laughs> I enjoy talking with you, Dita. Every one of you. Yeah. 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 Huh? Oh, oh yeah? yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's hey, you'll hear a lot of interesting things, I'm oh, sure. You will. <laughs> we already are. Well, the way that you talk about it just puts us yeah. right in. Here. Well, I, I think the enthusiasm was there. Everybody, it was like it's our duty. We oh. have to do this. We have to, you know. It's you didn't ask twice. You, you wait for other people come in now. I mean, the kids just want to know what they yeah. have to do. I'm gonna tell you one more thing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you, I think you heard it. To the library. the library. Tom Davis was there. The other guy with me, you know. Uh -huh. Tom, he said, oh, yeah. yeah, he said uh, he, he was in the service. This is not the big world war. It had something to do with it, too. Because he was in the service in, uh, in uh, Texas. And this first sergeant he had said, Where are you from? He said, Chestertown. Oh, yeah. He said, uh, I, I had a colonel from Chestertown. He said, uh, I was a deep driver on Battalion. Remember that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he says, who are you talking about? He says, talking about Colonel Bowes. And Tom said, well, he died on Battalion Death March, didn't he? He said, no, he didn't. He and I both made it. But they put him on one ship, me on another, and shipped us to Japan. And they torpedoed the ship he was on, and he died drowning on that ship. That's what happened. And they all went to school and, with his and, and I went to school with his Bose. daughter, Patsy. Mm -hmm. Patsy Bowes. Mm -hmm. Right up here in high school. And she lived in Salisbury the rest of her life. And um, And he was from Chestertown? Yes. He was from Chestertown. Right Colonel was, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you know if there's anybody um, who knew him or was a member of his family? Because that he, that would be And that baby Patsy her ward Patsy Ward she is. I guess she's still living. She's in, in Salisbury. Salisbury. She's in Salisbury. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to get a hold of her in Salisbury. The only one I know that Herb her, her Ward was her husband, and she she was Colonel Bowes. Colonel Bowes. Yeah. Oh, W E S. B O W E S. Bowes. I think it was. Yeah. He, yeah, I don't know, the lieutenant colonel or full colonel. Yes, I, I don't know. Would be his daughter in yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Is there anybody um, else that you know that you think we should talk to? Because you know we're looking for people, especially who remember the war, who are from this area, or people yeah. who might have, who might be surviving veterans. It's trouble so many of them are <laughs> gone, you know. Should we talk uh, to your sister, do you think? Yeah. She, huh? You mentioned you have a sister Peggy. who's 90. Should we, um, do you think she'd be willing to talk to you? No, no, not really. No, no. She's incapacitated. She's, wow. she, yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't be too good now. Um, but I tell you, if I need, if I see somebody or remember somebody, I'd call you. Great. I could call you. Yeah. He said once before, all the folks talk. 
Huh? He said to me just a couple of weeks ago, he and Peggy sat down and talked about family things and this mm -hmm. sort of thing. He says, because nobody else knows any of this stuff. Her, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said, nobody knows about our families, all the back of us, they all do. the members that are gone. You know, you know. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird feeling when you go through life and, that, and then you think back, my God, where'd they all go? You know? That was right after his brother died, so that, that's why that conversation. But he came home and he said, Peggy and I sat there and talked for the longest time. But, <laughs> but, oh, but it started to tell you, uh, uh, to finish telling you, that sergeant down there wrote Mrs. Bowes in this town. She's gone now. He wrote her letters back and forth, so Tom told me the rest of their life. Mm. All about wow. his being with her. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He, he, of course, he was a private then, Jeep driver, I guess, right. for him, and, and as stayed in the Army all those years, huh? As a Jeep driver, you're pretty close to him. He's pretty close yeah. to him. You, you better believe it. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, they were captured on Bataan by Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. That brings you close. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, that's amazing, though, that there was someone from Chester. Yeah. yeah. I know it. Yeah. yeah. I know it. I know it. If I could find out. How about the guys who were in the guards with you? Do you know any of their relatives who might uh, be <coughs> alive? I'll tell you one. Patsy Rail. Remember Sarge? Oh, Patsy. Okay. No, go, go ahead and tell. Uh, Patsy Rail. Preston Ashley, uh, VFW, or Patsy, Preston is, Ash. That's her uncle? In the Okay. Preston yeah. Ashley yeah, Post. Yeah, that's right. She was there. Patsy yeah. is a retired school teacher. Like that, she has a hearing problem. So oh, what's up? Hey, what's up? Uh, listen, what's that Albert Parsons' wife's name? Red girl. She married Preston oh. Slagle. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, she, then <laughs> he, Slagle, he got killed. You have Slagle? What? They probably have her. They probably have her. No, no, please tell us the name. Just. She she uh, she married, she married she Preston Slagle. He, he served in World War Two in and South Pacific. Preston did. Then he come home, and then he he signed some kind of thing saying he'd be in reserves, you know. And uh, by being in reserves, they had the right to call him back legally, call him back in service. He was in the infantry, and was killed in Korea. Yeah, after all that, he went to Korea and was killed there uh, in the 1950s, you know. Yeah, yeah, after surviving that, Preston Slagle. Yeah. Is, it, is it his widow's uh, still alive? Uh, uh, yeah, but she's, yeah. but she's married to Albert Parsons. But she, she I can't, what's her name? I can't think of her name. Albert Parsons. Albert. Albert okay. Parsons. I went to school with him. He married that guy's widow. And he's still alive too? He's still alive. Albert Parsons is and lives somewhere in this county. Huh? Rock Hall? Maybe Rock Hall, yeah. Okay. Well, if we find them, um, could we mention that you said You mentioned that I told yeah. you okay. that his wife okay. was married to Preston and he was in. Yeah, maybe they would both yeah. sit and talk to us. They, they might, yeah. I was thinking about Max or. Um, Moffat. Um, see, Max's niece is Ann Van Zandt. Anne Van Zandt. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know her that well. Uh, no, but I mean, I don't know. You, you, I, I don't know. I know Max's. No. I, 
I went to school to a lady, was a school teacher named Thelma Van Zandt. And all that time in school, she said, yeah, brother overseas, and he was in National Guard over there. Come to find out it was Maxwell Moffat, which I knew from, oh, from after the, the, yeah, the National yeah. yeah, and I saw them two in the hospital waiting room one time, and they were talking to each other. I said, oh, you, you all know each other? Well, we all do, brother and sister. <laughs> I, I never knew it, and I went to school to her all that time, and she was telling us about her brother overseas, you know. Hey, a lot of that went on, you know, at yeah, that time. Connection. Yeah, connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of anyone else who may have been in the guards with you, who had been in the D-Day uh, invasion or anything that yeah, might uh, have been. Well, McGinnis is all they're gone. No, you know, all some McGinnis is gone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many people who yeah. just a few years ago. Just, uh, just yeah. right. They're dying in numbers now. All them veterans are 90, yeah. 90, one, two, three, you know, and you know if they're living. Never talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of them wouldn't say a word about it. Yeah. about it. But he'd yeah. come home, I know for the guards, he'd come home and say, Max said this or Blimp said this. And they would reminisce. <laughs> John Newton. <laughs> probably after the meeting's <laughs> over, you know, <laughs> they'd reminisce about certain things that I, I, I went in. Uh, Went in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, one time. Had had John Noonan, one of the armors named that, in the car with me. He said, "Pull in here after we come from the Legion or somewhere." We went. I said, "Blimp, that's a division headquarters." I know it. I know them all. <laughs> and he's only enlisted man. You know? I said, "I don't want to go with all these officers." He said, "Pull in, I'm telling you, I know them." And they received him like. You received your own child, you know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. When you've been in war together. Yeah, they've been there together. Yeah, yeah it was sir. The camaraderie that you saw. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that uh, impressed him so much about the group at the guards here. Yeah. Because the older guys, when he went in, the older guys are there. There was a camaraderie. Yeah, it was indeed. There really yeah. was. Yeah, it was. They yep. had all been medics during the. Uh, the World War II situation. But when they came, when they reorganized, it was all rifle company, all infantry then, when I went in there, yeah. I had the same rifle signed 16 years. Same M1 rifle, yeah. Yeah. It was a World War II rifle. Yeah, they're all World War II rifles. Because they changed a few years after I got out, about four or five years, changed it to automatic weapons, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I was at uh, Aberdeen four years there from 51, 56. I told you that worked worked in the Army Ordnance there. As a, but I was civilian there, civilian gunner. Had officers, Army officers in charge of the program all the time, you know. But uh, now they have um, contractors doing that, all that blasting here over there. They're all contractors. Yeah, now. They don't have any more government employees. That's the don't. military today, right? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, they outsource the yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. Yes, indeed. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy talking with you. Really yeah. Thank you very much. If I think, <laughs> if I, if I.